This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. What's up, y'all? It's Sydney. We saw your tweets, so we're back in your feed with a special report. And you know the deal. This show is explicit in every way. This is the song Ski by Young Thug and Gunna, two of Atlanta's biggest rap superstars, who've been arrested on RICO charges. Thug and Gunna were among the nearly 30 people named earlier this month in a Fulton County, Georgia indictment, one that alleges YSL a.k.a. Young Slime Life, is an Atlanta-area gang. Now, fans of Thugger know that his record label is also called YSL, and Gunna, as Thug's protege, releases music under that outfit. Gunna is being charged with conspiracy to violate Georgia's RICO Act, while Thug's being charged with one count of conspiracy and one count of participation in criminal street activity. The paperwork they got on them dates as far back as 2013, And it includes charges ranging from possession of marijuana to assault with a deadly weapon to murder. What it also includes are social media posts and rap lyrics from Thug and Gunna. Tracks like Anybody are being admitted as evidence of, quote, overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Thugger. I never killed anybody, but I got something to do with that body. I got this grease on my back. Carry it like I'm moving the body. I told him to shoot a hundred rounds, like he trying to move it about it. It was like lamb in the morning, skipping school, that's a truancy about Now, we've talked to y'all before about lyrics being put on trial with the case of New Orleans rapper Mac Phipps and the RICO Act being used in hip-hop in the cases of DJ Drama and Bobby Shmurda. So if you've heard the show before, you know these tactics are nothing new. But you know what's ironic about this indictment? It's the volume and specificity of lyrics, especially thugs, considering his unorthodox, sometimes even critiqued as incoherent delivery that's come to define his career, his artistry, and his influence in rap. It's almost like the DA is doing a better job writing out his lyrics than Genius does. They jump around Thug's discography, referencing almost 10 of his songs in the indictment. I'm Sydney Madden, and this is Louder Than a Riot. The DA of Fulton County addressed the use of lyrics in the indictment at a press conference last week. I believe in the First Amendment. It's one of our most precious rights. However, the First Amendment does not protect people from prosecutors using it as evidence if it is such. In this case, we put it as overt and predicate acts within the RICO count because we believe that's exactly what it is. Hmm whole lot of contradictions happening here. 
So while we are currently hard at work on season two of Louder Than a Riot, Rodney and I had to jump on NPR's Weekend Edition with Aisha Roscoe to break down this news and its implications. Here's the conversation. So, I mean, just just to start off with, can, can you talk to the audience who may not be as familiar with Young Thug? I mean, he is a huge rapper. Like, when this news came down, my sister called me up immediately and was like, they got Thug. They got Thug. I mean, she and she loves hip-hop. And so, like, Young Thug is huge, right? Yeah, I mean, he's inarguably one of the most influential artists in hip-hop and pop music today. And... You know, coming out of Atlanta, which is also where I'm from, he's easily one of the most innovative artists to come out of this city since Outkast. Elton John is one of his biggest fans. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's been making noise in Atlanta for years through mixtapes and appearances, fashion and aesthetic trend setting. But even outside of those city limits of such an influential place in hip hop, Young Thug has become an icon for the music industry writ large. He's a huge name. Can you talk about the connections between like the criminal justice system and rappers? Rappers getting caught up in doing time is not uncommon, right? I mean, the truth is rappers, at least in this country, they're, they're predominantly black. So, you know, that means nine times out of ten, they're coming from communities that are historically over-policed, really. Just like Walking Wild Black was likely to get you stopped and frisked in New York in the early 2000s, Rapping Wild Black would definitely land you in the surveillance lineup of the NYPD's hip-hop dossier back then. But it seems like something different is going on. Like, beyond just, obviously, Black people in America are overrepresented in the criminal justice system. But these RICO laws, I mean, they were, you know, designed to target, like, Organized crime, the mob, uh, you know, people like John Gotti, like these very institutionalized like organizations. But now we're seeing it applied to rap crews or what, you know, the police are calling gangs. Exactly like you said, now RICO is most commonly used as a tactic to sweep up entire street gangs. And the definition of a street gang gets real spongy when you look at it coming in Black communities. So when prosecutors apply RICO to rap, it's not just the rappers getting caught up in the system, but it's their whole crew and their whole entourage. So if you're a rapper and you associate with people engaging in criminal activity, maybe y'all grew up on the same block, maybe you used to run the same streets before you switched into entertainment, maybe you brought them with you out of the streets into entertainment, prosecutors can use all that and use RICO laws to brand y'all as an organized crime syndicate. Ronnie, I mean, I guess like when you're casting a big net like that where, uh, you know, the the complication to me would seem like if you grew up with people, this idea of like, I grew up with people, these are my friends, these are my brothers, like we we grew Mm. up together. And so, yeah, we hang out, but that seems a bit different than necessarily like you know, the, the the mob where there was a very strict hierarchy and structure. Like, I guess what I'm asking, like, what does it mean to be a gang? No, nah, that's a good question. And it's one that we really asked and puzzled over a lot in, in season one of Louder Than a Riot. And in our reporting for that season, we talked to this gang expert and academic. Her name was Babe Howell. And she really broke down for us this difference between gangs 
in the more organized sense and and really just neighborhood crews that are way more unorganized and, and typically driven by juveniles who she says studies show are really more likely to grow out of that youthful criminal phase unless they get caught up in the system. And the thing about Rico when it's applied to rap stars, you know, a lot of times the rappers are not the ones accused of the most egregious crimes, but because of their celebrity and sometimes the belief that they're bankrolling the whole operation, they are often painted as the proverbial kingpins. Mm. The other thing that kind of makes these hip-hop arrests unique is that a lot of times the lyrics and the music videos that they make, like their hit songs from Young Thug are being used as part of the indictment. And that's like a growing trend where hip hop is being used instead of just as art is being used as no, this is evidence that they are in a gang, that they're all together and that they're engaging in criminal activity. I mean, this is a trend that's really loud right now in the public consciousness, but it's actually a practice of criminalizing hip-hop or just black music in general. That's a pattern that stretches way, way far back in America's history. But when it comes to rap lyrics being put on trial, just last year, the state of Maryland's highest appeal court ruled that the lyrics are admissible as evidence in criminal cases. And this decision stemmed from a murder case conviction where the defendant was sentenced to 50 years. And his lyrics, which he wrapped over a jail payphone three weeks before the start of his trial, were taken by the judge as a criminal confession. And meanwhile, in New York, there's a bill being introduced to actually limit the use of rap lyrics being used in criminal cases as evidence. But this bill is still being debated on in New York Senate. And in 2019, the Supreme Court refused to hear a lyrics on trial case, despite a lot of big name artists like Chance the Rapper, Meek Mill and Killer Mike all pushing for it. So decisions like these continue to set legal precedents. And because it happens almost exclusively in hip hop, it's almost impossible to see it through a lens other than a racial one. It just seems to me like when it comes to rap lyrics, like rap lyrics are taken literally in a way um, versus, you know, this, like, if you rap about... But just because you rap about selling drugs don't mean you actually sold drugs. Like, I could rap about selling drugs, but... Because I, I watched The Wire. That don't mean I actually <laughs> sold drugs, right? Like, right. I mean, sometimes people are just fronting or they're telling stories that they see with other people, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it really speaks to another thing we talked about a lot in the first season, which is the fact that um, the artistic merits of hip-hop are not judged um in the same way that they are for for other genres you know it's not seen as creativity or or even genius as much as it's seen as just autobiography like how can people be making these stuff for particularly black kids they gotta just be rapping what they know it's something that really strikes at the different more prejudicial ways that that black art and black music are judged in this country you know Judged and devalued and mm -hmm. stigmatized, yeah. Yeah. And, and you all, um, you know, talking about that, that season one of Louder Than a Riot, you chronicled the rise of, of rapper Bobby Shmurda and then his indictment and arrest right as he was getting big. And he spent years in prison and, and was caught up in a case where 
the prosecution said that he was a part of a gang um, and that maybe he was like the kingpin. Can you talk about some of the similarities to what happened to Bobby Schmurder and what seems to be happening to Young Thug and Gunna right now? Here's really the dichotomy that, that we're living in right now. Basically, we have a music industry that rewards artists for exploiting their connection to the streets. And then on the other hand, we got a justice system that's dead set on criminalizing those same connections. You know, whether they're real connections, whether they're dramatized, like we were saying before. So for young people who are seduced by the limelight and really oftentimes just looking for a way out of the streets, rapping about where you're from and the things that you or your people used to do, in the streets, it has the possibility of earning you millions of dollars a year or years in prison. And if you're an icon like Young Thug, you know, maybe even both. Now, Atlanta and hip-hop was already reeling from this indictment. But after we spoke with Aisha, more news broke. That New York bill we talked about that restrict rap lyrics being used as evidence in criminal cases, it passed in the Senate this week. Now, it's up to the New York State Assembly to make it law. And Lil' Keed, another YSL record signee, died unexpectedly at just 24 years old, shortly after the charges came down. He wasn't included in this indictment, but before his passing, Keed was one of the first to post about it on social media, writing... YSL is a label and a way of life, not a criminal organization. Louder Than a Riot investigates the relationship between hip-hop and the criminal justice system in season one. So if you haven't listened to it, or it's been a while, definitely go back and check that out. Season two of Louder Than a Riot will be coming your way next year. And you best believe we'll continue to dig into the hard questions that face our industry and our culture. Louder Than a Riot is hosted by me, Sydney Madden, and Rodney Carmichael. Our senior producer is Gabby Bulgarelli. Our associate producer is Sam J. Leeds. And our production assistant is Jerusalem Truth. Our editor is Soraya Shockley, and our engineer is Gilly Moon. And shout out to the bigwigs, Soraya Mohammed, Keith Jenkins, and Anya Grunman. Original music by Casa Overall and Ramteen Arablui. Our digital editor is Jacob Gans. Our fact checkers are Candace Portcamp and Julia Wool. Special thanks to Aisha Roscoe, Isabella Gomez, and Hadil Alshalji from Weekend Edition. From NPR Music, I'm Cindy Madden, and this is Louder Than a Riot. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com NPR and use code NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, homes.com. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts, 
Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, local amenities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. 